0: Good morning and welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto. You could also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app if you have downloaded the app and typed in 95.7 FM or 106.5 ELMNTFM and you can listen Mm, probably even in Attawapiskat, which is where our guest is from. Adrian Sutherland is here. We've had him on the show before. It's a pleasure to have him back here from Midnight Shine. He's got some new stuff to share with us about a new track that's coming out and, and another one that's uh, in the can, pardon me, and a new track that is in the can but not yet le- yet released, and we'll talk to him about that. Adrian, pleasure to have you back here on the show.
1: I'm happy to be here.
0: I think the last time you were here was, uh, uh, gee, early or late summer, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, that'd be both right.
0: Because I don't think we were even on the air at that time. I think we pre-recorded that show. Yes. So it's great to have you here, and we appreciate you uh, dropping back in. You've been a busy guy.
1: Yeah, things have been busy. Um, it's been a good busy. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, it has been a good busy you know with uh with heart of gold uh it's done extremely well. you've gotten a lot of great press about that tune,
1: yeah, I couldn't uh expected such a a wonderful response from from that whole song and video. It's just been really really great for the for the band and i'm I'm really happy that um, people are enjoying the song and video
0: mm-hmm um you said you didn't expect it. Were you surprised? I mean, obviously you're pre- pleasantly surprised. But uh, did you ever hear from Neil on the song? Did he ever get or talk to you about it?
1: No, uh, I, I haven't heard. We have our team hasn't heard from mm. uh, from Neil personally, but we've been in touch with his publish uh, his publisher, his publisher mm. quite a bit, and they've been really, really supportive uh, since the beginning of everything. Um, yeah, you just. You just never know what to expect. I think with with any song that you put out, and in this case, it's covering a, a classic uh, song, and we wanted to stay true to the original song, but also giving it a bit of a Midnight Shine spin. So we wanted to be very careful on how we how we did that, and and you just like I said, you just never know how people are going to receive it. Um, but in this case, it's been well received.
0: Mm. Now, you, you, you just mentioned it's a classic, and it still holds true to the classic song itself, but you put elements of your own spin in there. Um, you know, some of the indigenous singing in the background. Um, what else would you would you say you put a spin on it with?
1: Um, we, we put in uh, a Cree verse as well. Uh, right. Basically, it's the first yes. verse same uh, song as a third verse in Cree, though. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting, and and how even the Cree language fit right into the melodies and structure mm-hmm. of of all that. It was just it was just like plugging into it. It wasn't wasn't very difficult to actually sing the right. Cree language o- over the melodies, yeah. Um, which was very very pleasant for for me to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So congratulations on that, uh, by the way. Thank you, thank you. And uh, you were telling me uh, just before we went on the air that uh, with the uh, Juno Cup. Uh, uh, um, awards that were on and the and Juno you know, Cup game, the hockey game that you were you participated in. You've done that a few times because yeah. you're an avid skater and hockey player.
1: <laughs> well, I used to play quite a bit I, and mm. I haven't played much in the last probably six, seven years. I definitely haven't competed. Mm. Uh, so what are you <laughs> saying? You're, you're a little rusty? Is that I'm what getting, you're getting rusty and starting <laughs> to slow down now. I, I, I'm more of an upright skater. I don't really <laughs> bend my legs as much as I mm. used to. But uh <laughs> I'm trying to get uh be a bit smarter as I get older uh when I'm playing playing hockey. And most most times I'm playing for fun now, mm. just to get some exercise in and play with uh even my my son. Um but it was a uh, yeah, it was my third invite uh, to come out and I was honored to go and represent the the musicians uh team and we went up against the the uh former pro uh, hockey players which was uh which was such a uh, it was a fun game. It was really competitive as usual. Mm. Uh, this is the, they take this game quite serious. So um, we actually won the game uh, for once. <laughs> uh, I am I'm told that there was only one other time that they may have won mm. in the early uh, in the early years of this this game. Um, so it was uh, it was a real pleasure and 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 uh, uh, such excitement for me to be a part of that win.
0: Mm. You know, Adrian, not only for yourself in Midnight Shine, but it's been a big year for other Indigenous artists as well. It seems like there's a lot of uh, Indigenous music uh, coming to the forefront. You know, Jeremy Dutcher, for instance, and and his his big win and stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I've been obviously following along as many Indigenous artists as I can, at least the ones that uh, are are really um, you know making ripples in the in the industry. And it's it's really nice to see uh, getting the recognition and also some of the spaces that are being opened up and created for Indigenous artists in this industry.
0: And as I mentioned off the top of the show, your community uh, home community is you, uh, you 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 uh, you're you're a paramedic by, by trade, I believe that you uh, you did some paramedic work up in the community and other places.
1: Um, is that true? Correct, yeah. I, I worked in, uh, in that uh, career for a little over 10 years. That was my first career. And uh, I spent a lot of time in, 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 in the coastal communities, mostly in Ottawa, Piscat. But I uh, also spent some time uh, working in other, other communities and also in the West when I was in Alberta for a while. Um, spent some time working there as an EMT. Uh, in the province of Alberta, so yeah, it was uh, a big part of my life at one time.
0: Mm. Is there anything from that line of work that has transferred over to what you do as a musician?
1: Well, uh, I guess if if I go back to the early earlier days, I know um, there was times when we had downtime, and uh, uh, that's my free time was spent mostly writing. Mm. Music, so I guess I owe a lot of thank you, uh, <laughs> gratitude to <laughs> to uh, those years when I when they were spent in EMS. Mm. Um, so you know, some of the songs that made the first and second album were written in those years, mm. uh, or ideas from those songs came mm. f- came from those downtimes uh, as a medic. But also, uh, my last f- the last five years were spent in management. As well, so uh, I got the opportunity to really learn about supervision and management and administration work, which kind of kind of led me down a different path, opened up some more doors for me, and and other other work that I did. But when you look at any, whether you're pursuing a music career or a career in business, I think having a strong foundation and and you know organizational skills and and, and administration skills um, can help you um in a, in a lot of ways cuz mm-hmm. you know performing and, and getting on that stage is really only one small part of yeah. all this sure uh, there's so much leading up to that
0: yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of musicians would not necessarily consider that side of things that it, you do need those skills you do need that background so there you go that's a that's a, a transferable skill i guess that you took over from that and, and brought into your your current uh, existence as a as a musician yeah and um so was was Northern Man one of those songs that you wrote back then? And
1: No, actually that one wasn't. Uh, it was a song that I wrote back in 2013. Um and the sort of the idea I'd been tossing around at the time was uh trying to sing about the north mm-hmm. and what it what it means to be a northern resident or a northern man in particular. Um so I was the 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 actual title of the song was Native Man originally, mm. <laughs> but that got changed because I remember sitting in the studio and writing about, started fixing up some of the lines and 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 uh, you know lyrics and melodies and that sort of thing. Uh, this the the Native Man mm. title didn't right. really seem that appealing to you know right. other audiences, um, so we we changed it to Northern Men. Are you happy with the choice? Yeah, I think it was the right choice. Um, You know, I think the whole, this song really is about, yes, we love to be out on the land, but at the end of the day, we don't want to be out there alone for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. We have loved ones and family members and stuff that we obviously need to get home to Mm -hmm. and want to be home with. And uh, so that's kind of what the whole song was about. Um, The whole Grizzly Adams concept. Um, We love the land, but, you know, What does that mean without your family and loved ones, right? Uh,
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I I think the
0: message still gets across. Mm -hmm. Um, And in some ways, I don't know if this this is correct or not, but I get a sense that uh, Leather Skin is sort of a continuation of that song to some degree. Does that make sense to you? Do you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm.
1: there? Yeah, I guess uh, if you think about it, um, Leather Skin was really it's a song about you know how life can knock you down and um and you know people people experience that in all walks of life and some of us are able to get up and and just keep taking what life throws at us and we have to right what other choice do we have we have to keep continuing on and be strong for our, for our families and um for our loved ones and for what we believe in so I think that's what Leather skin is is. Really, having developing that thick skin, you know, literally uh, to be able to take what life uh, throws at you.
0: Why did you think it was important to get that message for you to say that message?
1: Well, I've, as an indigenous person, uh, we hear a lot about resilience, and you know, in my grandparents, my my mom went through so much, and and I think even now today we we we're, we we're, we're very much living. The ripple effects of of uh, assimilation, uh, residential school legacy. Um, so we're we're still those those impacts are still still very much alive where I come from anyway, and we're still doing our best to come to terms with that and to overcome some of those some of those challenges uh, that we have um, in our communities. Uh, so that's it was important for me to to, to write that song and you know let people know that you know we're here we're strong and we're resi- more resilient than ever and yeah you I mean you can you can say what you want and hit us as hard as you can but we're we're not going away we're just going to keep getting back up and and uh pushing forward mm. so the other thing
0: that i i've seen a lot in in the videos that you shoot for your material and your songs is the is the uh the backgrounds that you show that, you know your community and the north um that you you really it seems like you you want to make sure people uh see that background see the beauty of the areas that are that are up there
1: absolutely i think when you look at mainstream media um and and if you were to search out of Wapiskat, you would see a lot of negative images you know coming out of coming out of our community and that's just how mainstream media works. I mean, they show you the worst, the worst of, uh, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> everything. And well, they they want to show you what
0: sells, right? They're trying to get <clears throat> their attention. You're trying to get your attention. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm. There's no doubt that there are challenges there, and mm-hmm. there are ugly things that happen yep. in the communities. Uh, but there are also a lot of beautiful things about, you know, where I come from. And that's what I wanted to highlight is some of the beauty, and start. Changing the narrative, mm. you know, and start talking about good things, showing good things. So that's why it was important for me to shoot those videos up there. Mm. And, and it's a nice choice
0: because it does show you some really beautiful land and, and areas. And uh, uh, I'm not sure what what uh, uh, beach it is you're walking along in the in uh, Leather Skin. Where where is that?
1: It's in one of the islands in James Bay, okay, off the coast, uh, uh, just north of my community, about an hour and a half boat right away it's actually
0: actually a lot of your community go there don't they isn't that where they
1: yeah um it's a stopover for a lot of hunters and people Mm. traveling um north and south Mm. it's an area where two tides overlap so it's always a stopover for for most people um whether to cook to dry up you know or get off the sea for a bit yeah um even just to camp overnight Mm. uh it's also a gathering place for our people at one time people gathered there uh Uh, and exchange goods or even uh, have had, had, you know, uh, feasts and Mm. ceremonies. Mm. Um, It's also part of Nunavut, actually. Uh, All all the offshore land is is, 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 Mm. uh, part of Nunavut.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Thanks for sharing that with us. (laughs) Um, So the other thing, it looked like you were shooting the video in, uh, the weather was changing, There there was a little bit of snow falling. What time of year was that?
1: It was late fall, and, uh, of course, we get some pretty wacky weather mm. up there in late fall. Um, I think the one day, we, it was really nice, sunny, beautiful, warm mm. fall day. And the roads were, you know, more more dusty than ever, of course. So you see some of the shots, and mm. you can see mm-hmm. me walking down the road with yeah. all the dust. Is being actually, kicked.
0: they look great. Those shots look great. They, re-
1: yeah. they look really cool um, <laughs> in, in the shot, but when you're actually walking through all <laughs> yeah, that dust, good. it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah you gotta take a broom and uh, beat all the dust off your clothes yeah, sure. after yeah. but um but then the next day we had a big snow dump mm. you know it snowed all night, I guess mm. we woke up and there was mm. a blanket of snow over everything, right. so uh, getting over to the island was starting to be uh, a bit of a uh it was becoming questionable now because of weather and then of course timing and mm-hmm. and then we have if we did it, we had to shoot over on high tide and then get off the beach. Right. Before the tide went out, mm-hmm. so there was all these um, things that we had to uh, right. sort of work around. Um, so it worked out actually uh, really well because we got to shoot. The second day we were shooting uh, was actually sco- supposed to be in some in my. Well, the white coat is right. like a traditional attire yep. for for yep. A, a Cree hunter. Um, it's like a pullover parka. Mm-hmm. So you know, I was wearing that and and and. And that's sometimes what I wear out when I'm out on the land. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had the snow scenes for that, which worked out really well. Yeah. And then by lunch, the snow was gone. <laughs> so we got all those scenes done and then the snow disappeared. And then off we went to to the islands to yeah. finish off the shoot. Uh, it was really... Uh, it worked out well. It worked out well. And it was really strange how everything kind of just uh, worked out and tied, tied everything together, all the different scenes.
0: So along with that, I have to ask this because I I thought of it when I was watching it it being filmed. You have this guitar slung over your back, in in some of the scenes as you're walking down the roads and on the beach and the snows falling. I'm going, is that his real guitar that he's you know in that weather? It's <laughs> I mean guitars are sensitive to to weather changes, right? Yeah. And I was going, is that the guitar he uses like is that he plays and stuff? Is how's that going to be uh, affected
1: by the? Like, yeah, it weather? did it did, did take it did take a bit of a um mm. a, a beating mm. in that weather uh you can see the finish on the guitar where mm. the water or right. the raindrops right. e- even uh, where you the DI mm. uh yeah. cable goes yeah. in uh, there's some corrosion from some of the moisture mm. so mm. I had to had I had that dealt with already clean right. clean that yeah. part of it out cuz it was when I played a live show after that yeah. it was just loud popping every oh, right. time I moved right. so yeah it did take a toll on the guitar um mm. but it's it's all good now. It's it's working nicely. And good, it's still in good shape. Good. Thank thankfully.
0: And 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 with the dust as well, you're walking down the road yeah. and I, th- I Same thing. That's a lot of dust. Yeah, you know, but it looked great. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Anything for the shot.
0: <laughs> and then, of course, uh, you switch from as you as you said from the beach shot to the uh, the hunting the the land shot where you were. You have now a. a a rifle slung over your back uh, that you interchange the, the 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 guitar to the rifle. Is that a twenty-two or what was it?
1: Um, that was an old rifle, three a three hundred three. Three hundred
0: three. Yeah. do okay. yeah. My brother used to have one of those. So yeah, good.
1: One of my first rifles. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Good hunting rifle. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What would you be shooting or hunting with that?
1: Um, mostly large game, mm. uh, moose, caribou. Mm.
0: Good. So if you want to check out the video, you can check that out on, um, on your Midnight Shine website. You can go to YouTube and search YouTube? it. Yep. Okay. And just uh, Google leather skin. Uh, leather skin, and that will come up and yeah. you can check it out. And uh, sort of, I'm sure you can leave comments there on, uh, on that if you want and uh, check it out. And, uh, and I'm sure that Adrian would be happy to hear from you on that. The other thing we want to talk about is the, a new video that is just completed and it's going to be uh, coming out at a later date. It's called Lonely Boy. So, um, what do you want to share with
1: that? Yeah, we got to shoot uh, uh, the video uh, last week in Winnipeg mm. and it's actually the first video with the full ban yeah. in, in in the actual video. Uh, as you know, the first three videos we shot were, were just me and uh, I know I've had to field a bunch of questions about where's the ban, where's the ban? <laughs> where's the band? <laughs> and I'm like, they're coming. Don't worry. <laughs> they're coming. And, uh, it was always, um, we always, the intent was always to shoot with full, the full band. Obviously mm. that doesn't always work out when you have limited resources. Sure. Um, and moving, and moving people around is, is, is a very, very challenging. Um, and with the limited resources we had, I think we had to make some decisions, uh, to shoot without the band um, but now you know we got the this, this fourth out, uh sorry fourth uh video coming out now with full band and it was just such a pleasure to see everyone shine and really come to life uh when they were shooting mm. um it was it was for me it was really um i felt really good to see uh, you know the others mm. be a part of that mm. and really experience that and the song itself really uh, it, it's 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 song, one of my it's a, a song I hold, I guess, dear to my heart because it's about the loss of my father. As, as a boy, a young man, I lost my father. So um, so we even have actors in there and there's a whole, um, uh, I guess, narrative mm-hmm. in, in the video. Mm-hmm. So we have some really cool stuff that we're nice. going to be able to showcase in right. that video right. uh, about that mm-hmm. that whole process, the loss of uh, uh, my father um, I th- it was important for me to, to write about it. I think for the longest time uh, I wasn't able to talk about it up until recently and only through music mm-hmm. I was able to uh, start talking about it. And uh, I think uh, oh, I've been able to let go of a lot of things because of it. What, why Why was that? Why? Well, um, I don't know, maybe because I was taught to not talk about things and every time you know I tried bringing my father's name up, I was always told to be quiet and we don't talk about those things. That's you know, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's just how we were raised. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't talk about those sort of things. And um now I think you know, it just 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 thinking about it now, when you look back over the years, you when you when you have when you lose a parent at a young age, I think most people experience You know, what if, right? What if dad was here or what if mom was here all these years? What would life be like today? And, you know, having, you know, a a male figure to turn to when you need to, you need that mentorship, you need that guidance as a parent or whatever it may be, you know, or hunting traditions and it wasn't there for me for the longest time and uh, I had to find it elsewhere. So I think, I think now being able to really start beginning, you know, beginning to talk about all that stuff it helps me find closure, you know, and helps me let go of uh, a lot of those things. And I'm really grateful for what I have today and my family and the people that I've been around and that I continue to surround myself with.
0: So when do you think that might be available coming out?
1: Maybe late summer. Okay. Yeah. So the editing process, uh, is quite the, uh, mm-hmm. pretty tedious from what I understand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, good. We look forward to seeing that.
0: Um, you know when you you bring up your your dad um and, and not talking about those kind of things for some reason it gave me a, 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 a perhaps a little bit of an insight into you the person and what i mean by that is when i whenever i've met you and where when you are um, are meeting someone or even just sitting here you are very subdued you're a very subdued kind of guy and I don't think it's what you expect when you meet uh someone that is uh that is out there putting themselves out on a video and and putting themselves out there with music and and material that is being shared um do you get that a little bit from people
1: uh i I think so yeah I do get that yeah
0: and there you go. he's a man of few words <laughs> 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 says it all right there, so if you're ever meeting Adrian. Don't expect much from him. He's just gonna sit there and look at you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been—I've always been really modest mm. and uh, kind of, I guess, reserved. Mm. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that. I no. mean, you know, uh, still waters run deep, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't like to talk about myself very, very much either. So um, she's always talking me up with. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's kind
0: that. of a, a strange uh, world to be in, isn't it? Um, I, I can I share that. I know what you're talking about in right. terms of you know not being reserved and not wanting to. Uh, in fact, you know uh, we, we won't talk about me, but I I, I can understand yeah. what, that whole side of things. Yeah. So uh, it it's sort of a, a strange situation to put yourself in. But that's the world you're in when you when you put yourself out there with music and and getting things out there that need to be shared with the public.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree.
0: And I just want to say Nyawa, miigwech and wanishi for coming in once again. We appreciate you dropping in. It's always nice to hear from you. It's great to hear uh, your success and the success with the band. And we wish you all the best in the future, of course. And we look forward to having you back on the show uh, whenever you're around. We uh, we always like to support our artists, our indigenous artists. So it's uh, we're happy to do so. Migwech. And I'm just wondering, just before we leave, do you have anything else that you would like to uh, share or or uh, what's coming up? You could do, doing doing any touring or anything like that?
1: Uh, not that many shows okay. this summer, um, but we are we are busy like gearing up for potentially doing our fourth album mm-hmm. uh, with Midnight Shine. Um, I'm working on some solo stuff as well. I'm pretty excited about that, mm-hmm. and uh, can't really say too much about it right now. But <laughs> okay, um, it's uh, to me it's a pretty big deal, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah, all the best with that. So Adrian.
0: Once again, thanks for coming in. We really appreciate you doing this. We're going to play a few of these tracks uh, and we appreciate your time. So, uh, once again, Adrian Sutherland from Midnight Shine, uh, Leather Skin, and uh, is the new song, but the next one coming out later on, Lonely Boy. Look forward to seeing that coming up later in the summer. Thanks again, Adrian, for coming in. Thanks for having me.
2: Welcome back to Moment of Truth on 106.5 Element FM in Toronto. 95 7 in Ottawa and on the Radio Player Canada app or our website, elementfm.ca. That's E-L-M-N-T-F-M.ca. I'm Kathy Sabokin. Filling in this back half for David Moses. My guest today is Jennifer Sterling, Manager of Digital Library Services and Collections for the Mississauga Library. Hello, Jennifer. Hello,
3: how are you today? I'm good.
2: Thanks for coming to the studio. And on the phone, we're going to have Don Dumont, who is the author of a new book called Glass Beads. So before we get to Dawn, I just want to go over a few things with you that I found to be very shocking. For example, libraries in Canada... Pay three to five times more for ebooks and e audiobooks than consumers. Can you explain that one to me?
3: Right. So we have to pay for licenses for ebooks. We make sure that we um, protect the rights of publishers by only lending one copy at a time. But sometimes we can pay upwards of $100 a copy. And then we have rules attached to them where they have to be repurchased after a year or um, a couple of years or so many uses. So it becomes complex to manage, and it's co- it's hard on our budgets as well because we want to provide the formats available that our customers need. Uh, people like an electronic format to be able to read on the bus or uh, to support their needs in terms of accessibility. Uh, but we need to make sure that we stretch our budgets eff- effectively, and it's pretty hard. And then yes. sometimes we can't even buy them.
2: What do you do? How do you get around it, or do you?
3: We can't. So we absolutely have to comply with it, but we have to make decisions about what we can purchase and what we can't.
2: Okay, so how do you make a tough decision like that?
3: We look at um, uh, the... Sort of the demand for items, we try to make sure that we can purchase what our customers are looking for. So if it is available in a format, we do that. And sometimes we have to make decisions not to buy other things or not as many copies as we would want.
2: And how many e-books or audio books go out as compared to a hard copy book?
3: It is something that is skyrocketing. So, for example, at Mississauga, electronic resources have gone up 500% in the last Um, five years so it is continually growing 20 to 30 percent month over month Um, physical books are flat so they we still continue to loan a lot more but we think probably by the end of the year our electronic books will be will circulate more than our heaviest branch
2: i was talking earlier with someone in in the station we were talking about this issue and and he was saying hey why don't consumers then buy the books and donate them to the libraries
3: that's a good idea but unfortunately, we have to license them for um, within our platforms to allow for that distribution to customers to ensure that we are protecting the rights of the author and the publisher. Um, so we have to buy them under different models. Okay. All right. That's
2: tough. So what are some choices you've had to make in terms of books that you were allowed to get and books you've had to turn down?
3: So in a lot of cases, so with um, e-audio in the last year, there's been a real problem in terms of not even being able to have the rights for it. So, for example, Justin Trudeau's book, we can't buy in electronic format because it's not licensed for us to buy. Um, So we've had to make decisions. Well, sometimes decision is forced on us that we can't buy it, and our customers are frustrated by that. But we've sometimes limited the number of copies, and people would have to wait longer uh, for something that was pricier. Uh, so we try to keep the holds ratio. So when someone requests it, we call that a hold. And if they have to wait, sometimes those waiting times become longer. And sometimes we've had to make a decision not to buy a book because it was too expensive.
2: You know, with all the the availability in terms of ebooks, audiobooks, just in general out there, podcasts, etc. What um, is membership to libraries like? Is it on the rise, decline?
3: So we're finding that we are attracting new users in ev- every day for different types of things. So programming use is going up, our electronic users are going up, and foot traffic is going up because libraries are really reinventing the ways that they work with customers. So we're continuing to find new ways to do that. So our user base continues to grow slowly.
2: All right. So it's not something, I'm, and, and always seems to be on the chopping block, libraries. <laughs> Well, let's, What's with that?
3: I think that there's a, an idea that with the internet you don't need libraries, but it's it's at the absolute opposite. There's so much fake news and information out there. We need to be able to promote lifelong learning and literacy and teach people to find the information they need.
2: So libraries, as I understand, you want to work with publishers. You want to find those models, as you've suggested. To promote reading, lifelong learning, and publisher sustainability. What are some things happening in, in your neck of the woods in Mississauga regarding this?
3: So we've done a campaign, e-content for libraries, where we promoted um, in the spring, we promoted sort of the inequities of content access, um, and we've been working with the big Five publishers uh, to uh, try and have a conversation with them. The next phase of the campaign, we will get into sort of working through our legislative, um, through our MPs to try and find a legislative solution to be able to say, uh, to promote equity of access and accessibility for all. So we're in the process right now of. Uh, finalizing letters to our local MPs. So Mississauga yesterday, and Ottawa as well, passed resolutions to ask them to work with us in this area. So we'll be writing a letter campaign to our local MPs to get the message out and to continue to work for a solution. But as you say, we want to work collaboratively with publishers as well, but we we know that there needs to be more done.
2: What about Canadian authored materials? Do we, do we need a little more help in this area? Is it getting better?
3: So there are some Canadian author materials that we don't have available in, including some Indigenous works, uh, but we are, the Canadian publishers work more collaboratively with us than the Big Five. So for example, the, with this uh, One eRead Canada, we were so grateful that Thistledown Press was able to, for that month of June, offer us a uh, sort of a flat fee and allow us to download uh eBooks and e-audio as, for as many times as people want, so they could access it without waiting. So it allows us to prove that libraries and and publishers can work together to to the good of both and to promote Canadian literature.
2: Well, we're going to take a very short break. And when we come back, we're going to be speaking again with Jennifer Sterling, Manager of Digital Library Services and Collections, Mississauga Library and Don Dumont is going to be on the line the author of Glass Beads and we're going to tie all this together to a little cross promotion and see what the libraries are doing specifically to help specific authors such as Don you're listening to Moment of Truth on 1065 Element FM in Toronto 957 in Ottawa I'm Kathy Sabokin filling in today for David Moses we'll be right back welcome back to Moment of Truth on 1065 Element FM in Toronto 95.7 in Ottawa and on the Radio Player Canada app or our website elementfm.ca. That's e l m n t f m dot c a. I'm Kathy Sabokin. I'm filling in for David Moses today. And my guest, Jennifer Sterling, manager of digital library services and collections, Mississauga Library, and Don Dumont, the author of Glass Beads. Welcome, Don. Oh hi! Hi. Uh, good, to be, good to be here. Can good you hear me? me? Yes, we sure can. Okay. We're just. Gonna talk about your book, but first I'm gonna get Jennifer to explain the One E Read Canada campaign, and then how that ties into your book.
3: Perfect. So from June 3rd to 30th, uh, 300 libraries across Canada are promoting Don's book One E Read Can- uh, through the One E Read Canada program to download in audio, e-electronic audio or ebook format, and we're having a whole bunch of events to talk about that and to talk about the issues and the themes coming up in, in Dawn's book. So there's a, a whole bunch of activities happening to promote that, uh, her her book, "Last Beats.
2: That's great. So it's not just, hey, read the book. There are all kinds of activities surrounding it. And I understand, Dawn, you were just interviewed
4: recently. Uh, yes, last night. We by had the library. Libra. How'd that go? Oh, I think it went really well. So there was, like, different questions um, that people, um, you know, had from the Internet. So we we... You know, we talked about those, and then there were some people in the room who also had questions. So it was sort of like the goal, I think, was an online uh, book club.
2: And let's just talk about the book. There are 20 short stories that you've written. How do they interconnect?
4: Well, they follow the lives of four uh, First Nations people from Saskatchewan. And um, three of them are from the south. Uh, one of them is from the north. And it just basically shows how they grow together, um, how their friendships evolve and change um, over about three decades, uh, you know, as they grow into adulthood. And uh, the book is about, you know, a generation of First Nations people who's probably spent most of their adult lives off the reserve.
2: And Don, you are from Saskatchewan yourself.
4: I am, yes. Yep. And tell us about your First Nation. Uh, well, I'm from the uh, I'm, I'm from First Nation down south, and uh, it's a really beautiful place. I, I'm really, uh, I grew up there, and I go back um, not as often as I'd like, um, but I have lived most of my life uh, in cities and, uh, you know, through education and jobs and that kind of thing. But, no, I had a really great, uh, really, <laughs> I grew up in a really awesome place.
2: Do the characters in your book, do they reflect at people you know? Is there some true-to-life situations in the book?
4: Uh, yeah, there's one um, about uh, the stars, which is about the Starlight Tours, um, and that was based on a, a story that one of my friends had told me, a uh, real experience. Uh, so definitely there's a bit of that. I mean, what I'm trying to do is also trace what was happening uh, in mainstream society along in the same time frame. So that was definitely something that was happening in Saskatchewan, which resulted in the Neil Stone Child Inquiry. And what was the Neil Stone Child Inquiry? I don't know. was a young man who was found uh, deceased outside of uh, Saskatchewan, uh, sorry, outside of Saskatoon, and uh, this led to an investigation into uh, his death. And um, there were allegations that young Indigenous men had been left outside the city, you know, to just sort of fend for themselves by the police. And so that inquiry was discussing that problem. And uh, and since that inquiry, we have not had, we've not found any more young men um, frozen to death outside of Saskatoon frozen to death that's that's no one should be frozen to death ever
2: mm-hmm. very sad story now i'm just wondering with uh for example the one e read canada we dawn talking about her amazing book is there more interest in indigenous books
3: i think we're absolutely trying to ensure that we keep that communication going and it's indigenous month it's an important time as always, to continue that conversation. And we really chose Glass Beads to allow for um, the continue the national conversation that we need to have around reconciliation, Indigenous experience, and the importance of these stories for us to understand and to learn. So making it freely available in the month of June We felt was a powerful way to help achieve this goal and was made possible by working with Dawn and uh, Thistledown Press. And tell us about Thistledown Press. So Thistledown Press is a small independent publisher and they have um, made this work available for us and we've been able to negotiate directly with them so we're very grateful for that. Okay
2: that's fantastic and Dawn is a featured author and Dawn you're also a comedian I understand. Uh, yes, I am from time you have a to time range going from comedy into some serious stuff here, which is which is great, well, well I think it's pretty normal
4: for a comedian. I mean, I think most of the you know the the good comedians out there they always try to link the serious with the less serious like John Stewart Wanda Sykes, mm-hmm. um you know, they jump into those really serious topics because, I mean you know. They say that uh, you can tell people the truth, but if you don't make them laugh, then they'll kill you. So, And I think that that's something that comedians are perfectly suited for, is uh, telling people the truth but making them laugh at the same time.
2: That is such a great point. And and I think that's why a lot of people watch those shows. I've done that myself many times. I don't feel like watching a regular newscast. So I'll tune in to one of those late-night shows, find out what's going on in the news, because of the way it's going to be presented. I can yeah, look at absolutely. a serious topic, but laugh about it at the same time.
4: And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And really Seth well, Myers right. is also another great person at it, too. Terrific.
2: Okay, so how do you find being indigenous affects your work, Don? Do you, you draw a lot
4: from that, from your history, your past? I just pretty much just write as a person and just uh, whoever I am comes out onto the paper. You know, I never really think like, I think I need to write something Indigenous. I just write what comes out. That's it.
2: Whatever comes out. Awesome. Okay. How uh, were we going with the book next? Is it on tour? Are you going to have more discussions?
3: Yeah, so we're continuing Um, to have discussions with um, other libraries uh, between now and the, the 30th. On the 17th at Mississauga, we're going to have an interactive book club discussion with our staff about it and a talk about the characters and what we learned um, and just to have uh, to continue the conversation. And there are a lot of these programs going on. There's one going on in Edmonton as well. Uh, so there's lots uh, all across the country to continue the discussion.
2: And Dawn, what are you hoping people will get,
4: readers will get out of the book? Well, um, usually my goal is just that people... You know, uh, enjoy the book. That's pretty much all I, I really want people to do. Um, I have kind of given up on the idea that you know my work will ha- will be able to change attitudes. I think the people who read these books already have pretty good attitudes about um, about uh, colonialism and its effect on uh, indigenous peoples. So, uh, but I, I guess maybe just sort of, sort of broaden their understanding. Sounds really really good. Okay. Now, um,
2: you're going to be measuring the impact of this of the One E-Read campaign. How do you measure impact?
3: So we're going to measure um, impact by looking at the impact on sales, the, um, the, discuss- the number of discussions that are happening in social media, uh, the number of downloads and tweets and discussions that are happening. So there's kind of a wide-ranging impact. We want to see um, how many people borrow it, talk about it, and then eventually buy it. Uh there was a program in the states called the Panorama Project where they looked at that with another one so we're going to try and do that from the Canadian experience.
2: Is this the first time for the one E Reads campaign? Yes, this
3: is a pilot and we we hope to uh to uh have a successful campaign and then to expand it as well and 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 have uh, you know a French language title and continue this conversation uh going forward. So we're already looking forward to oh, trying to that.
2: How did the campaign come to be?
3: So, this was something that came out of the Canadian Urban Libraries Council's task force for Sun eBooks. Um, we were trying to find a way to show partnerships with publishers and how to show that libraries and publishers and authors can work together to promote literature and to ensure that uh, there's a knowledge of it out there and that models can be, that there can be models that work for both. So we just, this was um, sort of a brainchild that way. We've all done individual books, uh, one book Mississauga or uh, one book Toronto, but we wanted to have something that was larger and cross Canada.
2: It seems almost like a book tour only sponsored by the library.
3: Yeah, it is in some ways, but it's all electronic. So it'll be very interesting to see. There's a Facebook page, 1e Rugby, Ebook eRead Canada book page um, that Vancouver is hosting. So we're having conversations about the book, but ac- from across Canada all month.
2: And Don, how do you feel this is working for you, this, the one e-read program?
4: Um, well, I think it's, um, it's definitely gets my book out there. Um, I, the book was published a few years ago. So, and I did a book tour at that time. So this is just sort of like, maybe like a, a second kick at the can. That's fantastic. Are you writing a new book, by the way? This is from a couple of years I am, ago. I am, yes. I have, I have, uh, I have another book that's uh, currently sitting with my agent, and then, I have, and then I'm working on a book right now about uh, a First Nations woman who's investigating a series of uh, murders in Saskatoon. Oh, my goodness. Is that based on any truth or just fiction? <laughs> There's definitely been serial killers that have targeted First Nations women. Across that is Canada. We know yep. about that. My Absolutely, goodness. yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
2: Right, I know where to go with that, for sure. And what about your comedy career? Is that happening right now for you as well? Some things coming up?
4: Um, yeah, I'm hosting. Um, I've, I've got like a, a host, couple of hosting gigs coming up in, uh, in over the summer and uh, through the fall. So not a whole lot because I do have like a full-time job and a kid and so very busy. A full life, an author,
2: a comedian, a mom,
4: et cetera, and et cetera.
2: So where does the 1E program go E- one ebook program go next so right now you're we're featuring Dawn
3: so next we so for the next for the rest of the month um, people can follow the conversation on Twitter and Facebook and have a conversation about Dawn's book so we would encourage everybody to go to their local library and download uh, the electronic version or take the physical version if they would prefer that um, and join us in that conversation so anywhere on Twitter we have one Canada is our bilingual hashtag uh, and so to continue that. And then to, uh, we will be working to talk about the success of the program. Um, so to watch for that. And then watch for the 2020 title. We're in the process of picking it now. Um, and we look forward to continue to work with publishers and authors like Dawn going forward.
2: You're listening to Moment of Truth on 106.5 FM in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and on the Radio Player Canada app and our website, elementfm.ca. that's E-L-M-N-T-F-M dot I'm Kathy Sabokin, filling in for David Moses, along with my guest, Jennifer Sterling, Manager of Digital Library Services and Collections, Mississauga Library, and Don Dumont, the author of Glass Beads. time for us to take a quick little break. We'll be back after this. Welcome back, Moment of Truth. On 106.5 M in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, I'm Kathy Sabokin, Filling in today for David Moses along with my guest, Jennifer Sterling, Manager of Digital Library Services and Collections, Mississauga Library. So I always like to ask you this. What is it about your job that you most love?
3: Oh, I love the variety of my job. It is um, so we manage what we buy. We manage the technology that... Um, it, we take to be able to access that collection and technology to be able to use in the branches, um, as well as how we transport those, that material all around the 18 branches we have. So I have lots of people that I work with that buy material, uh, catalog it, make it available, process it, drive it around everywhere, and uh, make sure that it's available on the website to download. So I love the variety of my job. And I love the service of the library. So the library offers um, so many services for people for lifelong learning and literacy. And I just really um, resonate with the library's goals. And was
2: this born out of something from your childhood?
3: I have to say um, I had a children's librarian growing up in public school who had a really big influence on me. Um, but it was kind of I thought I would teach for a while and then ended up coming back to libraries. And I'm I've never left. And I'm glad I'm there.
2: Okay. Where do you see libraries going from here?
3: So libraries are um, continually at a crossroads. We're um, providing the same sort of physical services. Libraries provide really important services in our branches, so um, services for study space, for research support, uh, to allow people to try and use technologies through the maker movement. But we're also um, building our virtual branches because people expect to be able to do whatever they would want to do to research, to download books, to download movies from home. So we're really building that virtual branch um, to ensure that we provide that level of service that people want. So libraries will continue to look at providing digital literacy um, to try and decrease the digital divide. So we are continually looking at ways to do that.
2: Well, I thank you as for your service as a librarian. I've always loved going into a library. I think it's a wonderful little escape.
3: Absolutely. And this next week is exam week, so you will find libraries vibrant and full of students studying, dogs there to provide them with stress relief. And all sorts of different services. Are
2: these library dogs
3: that the are the St. John ambulance dogs. Mostly. Oh, they
2: come in during come the week in. to calm down the students.
3: Absolutely, and I think the last exam period in January, we announced that they were there, and the the multitude of students coming down from all levels of the library was amazing.
2: Oh, I want to go to that too. I could use that little dog calm things down.
3: Absolutely, what a great
2: idea! Well, there's another service the library offers. I had no idea these St. John ambulance dogs. Is that just in your branch?
3: I think that a lot of libraries do it. I know that um, my where I live in Burlington, they do it. They do it in Toronto, and they do it in um, Mississauga as well. So.
2: Well, Jennifer, thank you so very much for coming in. I really, really appreciate the conversation and all of the work that you're you're doing. Keep it up.
3: And thank you so much for the time.
2: Pleasure. Well, that wraps up our show. I'm Kathy Sabokin, filling in for David Moses. Thank you to first Jennifer, Jennifer Sterling, Manager of Digital Library Services and Collections, Mississauga Library, and also our earlier guest, Don Dumont, the author of Glass Beads. You've been listening to Moment of Truth on 106.5 LMNFM in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa.
3: This show was brought to you in part by APTN.